Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, what a great message in song and all truthfulness. You can trust God. And it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you don't see uh, the other side, but God certainly does. And so appreciate that. And uh, we'll continue tonight. And and tonight we're going to look at the rising beasts, and uh, I think it'll answer some questions, maybe not some questions, but maybe uh, clarify some things on, uh, maybe you wonder, well, where does that number come from, the number 666, and what does that mean? And uh, I see people, uh, sometimes, you know, they're like, um, sometimes their receipt will turn up $6.66, and they're like, oh, and they're all scared and freaking out, and um, and stuff like that, and uh, we'll look at that here in the Bible and see what that has to, to say about that. And there is, there is significance to that number. It is written down in the Word of God, uh, but I, I think as Christians, we certainly don't have to fear it. Now, if they ever come around offering to engrave it on your forehead or your hand, turn them down, okay? I mean, that's a flat no, but, uh, but if it turns up on your receipt, uh, it pay your bill and have a nice day, you know, give them a gospel track. It'll be okay. Um, Revelation chapter number 13. We'll start in verse number one. The Bible says, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house on a Sunday night. And God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts as we look into the Word of God. And God, we ask for understanding. We ask for uh, clarification as we go through and we uh, strive to understand the events of the end times. And God, we're aware and we're grateful that we will not be here uh, as those that are saved, Father, will be uh, out of here, and we're grateful for that. But I pray that you'd give us understanding and, uh, and help us to have a, a good knowledge, a working knowledge of uh, the end times. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at Revelation chapter 13, there's a lot of information in this chapter. And, uh, and again, it will just help us understand the context of the book of Revelation. Uh, there's a lot of description given here. And, and we, uh, you, could, you could literally take hours and track down every horn and track down every crown and track down every word. Uh, but, but we would be in the book of Revelation for years, literally. And, uh, and I'm just trying to give us a good understanding of, of the the broader scope of the book of Revelation. So we'll get through this tonight, uh, but understand there's so much more that you can look into and you can dig in and, uh, and study as we read this. Uh, Daniel chapter number seven, you can note that down, goes along with this uh, chapter uh, fairly well and fits in there. But I want you to notice here in verse number one that uh, the first beast 
uh, that's described. There's two beasts that are described. And understand that the, these are different than the dragon. Okay, uh, We'll see that very clearly uh, as we go throughout this. But understand they are a separate uh, uh, person, a separate thing altogether. And they are not the dragon. Uh, but the Bible says here in verse number 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads, watch this, the name of blasphemy. And I want to stop there because much of this chapter, we're going to uh, look at it from the angle of the blasphemy that takes place throughout this chapter. And so it becomes very important then for us to define blasphemy. We know uh, if you're in church, then you know, well, blasphemy is a bad thing. But when, when I went to try and define it, I'm thinking, what exactly is blasphemy? And so I looked up blasphemy throughout Scripture, and, and, uh, and, and really it's used extensively throughout the Bible. One of the first places it shows up is in Leviticus chapter number 24 and verse number 11. We, you don't have to turn there, uh, but it says this. It says, the Israelitish woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. And that's the first thing of blasphemy that I think of that comes to my mind is when somebody uses the Lord's name in vain. And, um, and so that's obviously a, a, a thing. Uh, and in Leviticus chapter 24, uh, watch this. Uh, if you were to read and study out that chapter, and I've preached on that passage, not here. I think it was a junior camp or somewhere. And, uh, but I've preached on that before. You know, they took that young man. They were like, what do we do? This young man blasphemed the name of the Lord. And, and they put him in jail for several days and went to Moses and said, man, we, we have not heard this. And, uh, and, and they determined, they saw the Lord's face. And you know what they end up doing? They stoned him. Could you, there wouldn't be a soul alive today outside of this building uh, if that was the penalty for blasphemy today. I'm just saying, uh, the Lord's name is used in vain all the time. And, and it did not even used to be like that. Uh, I mean, some people will remember, I, I don't know that I remember real well, but I did go to a public school, uh, that, that man, even lost people had a respect for the Lord's name. And, and, and boy, that's not true anymore today. And, and, uh, and so I'm just saying that that's one form of blasphemy is taking the Lord's name in vain. <clears throat> that's not the only way of blasphemy. Uh, another way of blasphemy is this, outwardly rebuke or go against God. You can scratch this verse down, e uh, Ezekiel. <coughs> Ezekiel chapter number 20 and verse number 27, the Bible says this, Therefore the Son of Man, therefore, Son of Man, speak unto the house of Israel and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, in that they have committed a trespass against me. And so this is how the Bible is defining blasphemy. And number one is taking the name, Lord's name in vain. Number two is going directly against the word of God. And so uh, the nation of Israel had blasphemed against God because they knew what he said and they blatantly ignored God's command and lived how they wanted to live. 
And the Bible defines that as blasphemy. God defines that as blasphemy. Uh, outwardly rebuking or going against what God says. And, uh, and so that's considered blasphemy. Now this one, you can, uh, you can take it or leave it. It's the Pharisees, okay? And we know that they came up with a lot of things uh, that may or may not be true. But nonetheless, I threw it in here. The Pharisees considered this blasphemy. Of course, it has to do with Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 2, uh, it says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed and Jesus seeing their face said unto the sick of the palsy son be of good cheer thy sins be forgiven thee and behold certain of the scribes said within themselves this man blasphemeth and, uh, and they called it blasphemy uh, for Jesus taking something that God can do now we know and we understand Jesus Christ is God we don't have any problem with that but the scribes and the Pharisees, they took issue with that. They did not believe that Jesus was God. And, uh, and so, uh, therefore, when he told that man that was sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, then they took that as a blasphemous statement because he made himself as God to forgive man's sins. That's how they were looking at it. And I would say that's probably a, a correct form of blasphemy, not that Jesus blasphemed because he is God. And so obviously that was not an issue. But if we were to take God's attributes and if we were to claim ourselves as God or uh, with the ability to do something that only God can do, that would be blasphemous. And so, uh, so I'm just saying there's, there's a few ways that blasphemy has taken place. And then Luke chapter number 22 and verse 64, these are all just verses that talk about blasphemy. The Bible says when Jesus was on trial there in his mock trial, and when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him saying, prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. And so it was to mock or to ridicule. And, uh, and so those who would mock or ridicule God, uh, then that would be considered blasphemy. And, uh, and so we're gonna, the reason I'm defining all of these is it's very clear uh, throughout this chapter we're going we're gonna to notice a lot of blasphemy that is taking place. A lot of mockery of God. And I want you to notice this. The Bible says here in verse number 13, look in Revelation 13, 1, the end of that verse, it says, And upon his heads the name of blasphemy. In other words, uh, he had the name, uh, perhaps even the name of Jesus Christ that is scribed on one of his heads. And it's a blasphemous statement. This is not Jesus Christ. Uh, we'll see that throughout the chapter. Uh, and it's very much so blasphemous in proclaiming himself to be uh, Christ. And by the way, Christ warned us and said this in, in Luke chapter 21 and verse number 8. He said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. And, uh, and boy, there have been those who, who claim themselves to be God. 
Uh, and so this beast that comes up out of the sea, uh, he is one of them. He has, has a name uh, that, that's blasphemy written right on him. And, and, uh, and so we see that uh, here in verse number 13. But I want you to notice in verse number one, excuse me, verse number two, I want you to notice this. Not only the blasphemy in, in the name being written there, but look at verse number two. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority." I want you to notice this as well. Uh, not only is it the blasphemy in the written in the writing that was on his head, but there's blasphemy here in the power that is given him. And uh, and you'll notice this is how we know they're two separate characters because the dragon is the one that's giving the power, uh, and the dragon is clearly defined. If you go back to verse number or chapter number twelve, we saw that last week. Uh, verse number nine, matter of fact, that dragon is the devil, is Satan, and so Satan is empowering this beast to have great power. Uh, and to be able to do wonderful things. Look at all the animals that are listed there. And, uh, and we do not have time to track them down, but they're all mentioned in Daniel chapter number 7. And each of these animals, there's not a, there's, there's, each of these animals are strong, killing animals. They represent uh, the, the strength. They represent the power uh, that is given him. And, and certainly, we find that at the end of the verse, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat, and his great authority. Remember that the dragon will be loosed on earth. Remember, he left heaven, and he'll be released on earth, and he'll be given a little bit of time, and he's going to take that power, and he's going to, uh, to stand behind this beast and kind of give him the authority, give him the place, and allow him this great power and this great authority that he would have on the earth. Remember this, and I have to remind you of this, what we need reminded of this rather, is that, listen, the, the power that they have is not all power and all authority. That alone belongs to God. And God is giving him a realm and giving him a time to be able to work for a short time, uh, but, but in the end, you know uh, that it's all going to come to an end. Uh, and God is going to be victorious in all of that. Uh, but there is this time that he's allowed to be loosed and to work. And uh, it's a mockery, really, of God. It's a mockery of, of Jesus Christ and the miracles that he did. And so we see that this beast uh, almost becoming a Christ-like figure in the earth and the devil giving him a lot of power to be able to do a lot of things. We'll see that as we go down through here. Not only that, but look in verse number 3 because it clarifies. It says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. We have the blasphemy in the wound. Listen, this is, he did not die. Uh, he was just wounded, as the Bible says, unto death. And it, it looked like a very uh, bad wound. It looked like something, man, this guy is dead, you know, and, and how could he recover? But the Bible says that the dragon gave him power and, and that he was actually healed. Uh, and, and so we see that. Understand that the devil does not have the power to give life. Um, only God has that power. And, and listen, 
that is, man, that is a breath of fresh air because you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you read how God formed the man, the man out of the dust of the ground. And then you go back and you read that and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Boy, God is a life giver. And, uh, and listen, it, he gives us new life in that our salvation, uh, we're no longer condemned to death, the Bible says, but we have life and we have it through Jesus Christ. And so there's a great difference here. And he does not say he was dead, but he was wounded in a real serious wound. And, and then he says, it might say it here in this verse or a little bit later, uh, I think it's a little bit later, but that wound was healed. And all the people, no, it says it right there in verse number three. And his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. They would see that and they would see him uh, become gravely uh, sick or, or almost dead. And, and, and again, that's a mockery of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection, but only God can give life. And so we see even the blasphemy here in the wonder. Uh, and he does have power to work miracles. He does have power uh, to be able to do these wonderful things. Um, but as we think about that, listen, it's a very, uh, this, this religion that he's setting up on the world is a very faithless religion. Uh, it's all about the wonders and miracles and being able to see and seeing that, that, uh, that, that beast have its wound and, and then being able to see it healed. And, and so it's all of that. I don't know about you, but I didn't see Jesus die on the cross. Uh, we have a, a, a faith that goes with our religion in believing in Jesus Christ, believing that he died. Were there those who saw them? Yes, there were. Uh, but you know what? We weren't there. But we have an account of it. And, and our religion is that of faith. This is not a religion of faith. It'll be quite contrary to that of faith. Notice not only the, uh, the blasphemy and the wonder, and blasphemy in the writing, and blasphemy in the power, but notice in verse number four as well. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? The, the world is going to be enamored with all that they see in, in this beast and this dragon, and, and they're going to worship uh, the dragon. They're going to worship the beast. And uh, I was reminded of this verse, Matthew 4.10, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and, and Satan came to him and, and said, Hey, bow down to me and worship, basically. And Jesus said this, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And here we have a mockery of God and a mockery of, of Jesus Christ in that uh, this, this beast and the dragon will cause men to, to fall down and worship him. They'll be worshiping him. Boy, the world will be enamored with him. And again, praise the Lord, we're not here for that. Um, and that's going to be a, a crazy time. I, there's, it bothers me. Um, when you think of Satanism, that just it drives me crazy. And I think to myself, what kind of twisted individual 
would want to serve the wicked likes of Satan. I mean, everything, even that the world knows and thinks about Satan is that of evil and that of bad and that of, 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 of bad um, wickedness. And yet there, uh, there are those who worship that. And, uh, and I don't understand it. Uh, I would understand it far better in this time because he's going to portray himself. Hey, he very well could portray himself as a wonderful person. I mean, uh, the Bible says that the devil himself uh, is transformed into an angel of light. And so he can make himself to have an appearance that would be good. And all the world will definitely be deceived and many of them will be following him. But we know that this is a mockery uh, of Jesus Christ as they'll be uh, worshiping him. Not only there in verse number four, but jump ahead to verse number eight. Um, because it mentions worship again, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hey, listen, the lost world is going to fall head over heels for this beast, for the dragon. But there are those who are saved on this earth who will not. Uh, how, where, where do they get saved? They get saved during the tribulation. God has a witness that is taking place during the tribulation period. And, and there will be those uh, that are there. The Bible is very clear about that in verse number 8 we see. And so, uh, but just understand that there's blasphemy and a mockery uh, that is being set up. Um, and this is probably just as good a time to point it out. If you think about uh, the blasphemy and the mockery of, of the, the beast, the dragon, taking these attributes of God and applying them to themselves, uh, there's an unholy trinity that's very uh, clear in this chapter. You have the beast that's coming out in verse number one. You have the dragon that would stand behind it. That would represent God. The beast would represent uh, Jesus Christ in this mock setup. And then there's another beast in verse number 11 that will come out and that would be a mockery of the Holy Spirit. And so the devil sets up this, uh, this trinity in mockery of God and in blasphemy of God. And so we see all of this taking place throughout, verse thir or throughout chapter 13 and of course it starts off uh, with, with the fact that he will have a name written down uh, in blasphemy. Move on with me to verse number 5 and 6. And there were given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Here we see it again. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And so again, we have a mark of time. We have that half of the tribulation period, the three and a half years of which he will move and operate and work. Uh, and so uh, he will be busy during that time. Verse number six, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And so he's got very powerful words. Uh, listen, there are some uh, orators that are just able to sway. They say that Hitler was probably one of the greatest orators, and he was able to sway an entire crowd, and people would, would listen to him, and he would convince people. Listen, I'm telling you this, Hitler's got nothing over this beast. Um, the power of the devil will be behind him. That dragon will, will give him great swaying words and, and perhaps make him look like a really good guy. And, and, uh, and there'll be a power not as in a powerful voice, but that of a very swayed speech. 
and that of very persuasive words and, and look at how I can do this and look at how I can do that and you could see very easily how one could set himself up uh, and having a little bit of power given to him by the devil, uh, man, be able to really persuade people. And, uh, and boy, they, I'm telling you today, people are, people are uh, convinced, oh, Jesus that came wasn't really Jesus. And they're trying to, boy, they were looking for the secret stuff about this and that. And a couple years ago, it was uh, the secret gospel, you know, and, and all of that. They're, they're try Why? Why do they do all that? Hey, listen, that's all just setting a stage. So when this beast comes, oh, yeah, all that's true. And I am the real Christ. I mean, you could see how all of that would be set up and people that would be here would be very swayed and follow that because these guys are Bible ignorant. They're not following the word of God. They're unsaved. They don't have the Holy Spirit that indwells them. And, and, and so you could see how they would be swayed there in word. And uh, we see the blasphemy in worship, blasphemy in word, and blasphemy in, in the written uh, name, and blasphemy in the power that they have. Look in verse number 7, we see the blasphemy in war. The Bible says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations." And so this guy's going to set up a one world uh, government. He's going to be dominating in everything. He's going to be, have power over uh, kindreds and tongues and nations. And, uh, and he's going to wage war against those that are saved that are here on the earth during this time. And, uh, and so, uh, boy, it's always been prophesied in the Bible about an end times battle. And boy, you could hear him touting that line. Hey, we've got to eradicate these people. They've been, they've been a threat to us and, and we've got to get rid of them and this war that would be waged on them. And so we see a blasphemy there in the war. Um, look with me in verse number nine. In verse number 8 and 9, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, we already read that, whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Verse number nine, if any man have an ear, let him hear. And, uh, and I find this verse very fascinating uh, because this verse uh, almost word for word shows up, but it's a little bit different because in Revelation chapter number two and verse number seven, the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. In chapter 2 and verse number 11, the Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In verse number 17, the Bible says uh, in chapter 2, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In verse number 29 of chapter 2, the same thing, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In chapter 3, we go on and it says the same thing. In, in verse number 6, uh, that it saith, unto the churches. In verse number 13, the same thing, unto the churches. Verse 22, unto the churches. But we can hear in verse number 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. And we find the absence of the church here. 
And why is that? Because we believe way back in chapter 4, when when that trumpet, that voice sounds, and he says, come up hither. Hey, listen, he's not dealing with the church. church, I I made mention of this uh, earlier, and I'll continue to mention it. The church is not mentioned after chapter number 3 in the book of Revelation. There's an absence of that. These are a different group of people that he's dealing with. And we saw the 144,000. Those are Jewish people, very very clearly, the Bible lays that out. We find that uh, even throughout um, the, the two witnesses, we talked about them, uh, more than likely Jewish witnesses. And we find all of this. These are not church people that are left behind. Okay, so uh, understand all of that. There will be people who are saved in the tribulation period. God has a remnant of of witnesses that will testify uh, of salvation. And there are those who are saved. But I find it so fascinating that the Bible says, If any man have an ear, let him hear. And he leaves out what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And the Spirit is not uh, here working on the earth like He was during our time. And the church is not here uh, being a witness to the people. Uh, But God does have a witness that is here on the earth. And so I just want you to notice the absence of the church here in verse number 9. And verse number 10 closes out this this area, this section. And he says, He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Uh, Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And so we see all the war that's going to take place, the killing and all of that there in verse number 10. And look with me, that's the first beast. Uh, Remember, that was the beast that arises out of the sea. Look with me in verse number 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So this is a totally separate beast. This is not the same. You can tell that obviously uh, from the amount of horns, uh, the disposition that he has, and all of that. There's another beast, a second beast. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Uh, And so we see that here. And uh, look with me in verse number 12. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonder, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven and earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And so we see here all kinds of wonderful things that this thing is doing, uh, this second beast. And we see that he's going to cause them to worship the beast. Is that not the stated principle of the Holy Spirit? He said, I'm not going to do, you go back to John chapter 14, 16 and, and read there. The Holy Spirit says, I'm not going to draw attention to myself. My job is to point people to Jesus Christ. And you'll remember reading through the book of Acts that God gave all kinds of signs through the Holy Ghost. Again, not to credit the Holy Ghost, not to, uh, not to glorify the apostles that, that had those gifts, but rather to point people to the authenticity of the gospel and of Jesus Christ 
Christ and of his works and the fact that he died and rose again from the dead and, and did it so that uh, people could be saved. And that was the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. And we see that this second beast kind of making a mockery and a blasphemy of those things, as you notice there in verse number 12. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And so we see that uh, as, as he's causing all of this, uh, he's also helping point to this. And again, that's really where, where the mockery of the Trinity comes into the play here in, in the book of Revelation. Uh, verse number 13, down through 15. Uh, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Verse 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. And that image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. This life that he has, I, I don't think that is life as in human life, uh, but, but I, I think it makes it to come alive. Uh, here you have an image, and, and I, is it an idol? Uh, I don't really know, uh, but I want you to notice this. A couple things about this, first and foremost. I want to point out in verse number 14, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. His intention is to cause deceit, mass deceit amongst the world. And, and people who do not believe, they're going to look at this stuff, they're going to say, man, this has got to be of God. This has got to be the one. This has got to be the Christ. This has got to be all of that. And, and you can see how they'll just be swept into all of this. Uh, and then he's going to tell them, hey, make an uh, make a image. And uh, again, image being an idol, image being, um, who knows, maybe it's, maybe it's um, AI, automated intelligence. You know, maybe it's something we don't even know. Uh, but he's going to cause that to come to life to be able to speak and do things. And, and who knows what, what it could be. Uh, but I'm just saying that, hey, there's going to be all these miracles and these wonders. And, it's, and the whole intent and idea behind all of this is to deceive people. That they won't see how wicked the dragon is. They won't see how wicked the beast is. They won't see how wicked this second beast is. And, uh, and, and they're going to cause all of that. Uh, and, and cause men to follow after those things. And so uh, I find that fascinating. Uh, there could, you could run a thousand possibilities of what that could be uh, and how that all could be. But I'm just telling you that's what's going to take place. Look with me in verse number 16 and we'll find that mark of the beast. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark of the, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred 
three score and six. A score is 20, so if you have three score, that would be six. And so the number there is 666, all right? That's the number. And, and it's very clear. Uh, the Bible says, hey, they're going to make them put it in their forehead. They're going to make them put it in their right hand. And, and does that mean they're going to take a Sharpie and write it in? I don't know. They could do a Sharpie. They could do, people thought, well, maybe tattoos. Uh, with Today, with the things that they have, uh, all they have to do is take a little tiny chip, my dog has one, and put it under the skin. And then just take a scanner and scan you as you go through the market. Yep, you're clear. You can buy. Yep, you can pay. And, and who knows? Maybe it'll have your bank account information. That way, I mean, you could see how they would push all of this. Um, you know, hey, get your, get your card injected right in your hand. That way nobody can steal it, you know, and, and just scan your hand as you go through. I mean, the world is going to just swallow this hook, line, and sinker. And by the way, if they don't, they're not going to eat. I mean, you go to Walmart, um, if they're still around, if they survive all the earthquakes and everything else. You go to Walmart and you want to buy something and they say, yeah, just scan right here. And you put your hand up there and you scan. Okay, you're cleared. And, uh, and there's, there's, a, there's a thousand possibilities that you could run away with and all of that. And, and I've heard a lot of different things. And um, probably uh, I would venture to guess that every one of us in this room have a number assigned to you. It's called your Social Security number. Um, and in my daughter, Charity, she's got two, not social security numbers. She's got a number here in America and a number in Peru. Um, and every country assigns you a number. Uh, and you could see how very easily they would just tag on the back of that 666 uh, or on the front of that, prepend that to the number and say, okay, that represents, hey, you're part of our government. You're allowed to uh, operate and we need to do this for the security of our nation because we got these people that are, that are rogues and they're causing problems. And, and you could see how uh, very easily they would make it all sound so good and slide it all in. You say, man, I read it as plain as day. Yes, you and I read it as plain as day. We also have the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Most people read this and they're like, I don't, I don't have a clue what that means. It said, second of all, they're not real interested um, because they're just living their life in the world, lost as a goose, and they don't know anything about God. They don't know anything. They think of end times. The world does, because they're like, oh, the world's going to come to an end. We've got to save the trees. We've got to save the grass. It's all going to burn up anyways. Plant another tree if you're that concerned. <laughs> but, but there, you know, you can see how, the, I mean, they're already pushing towards all of that. And, and the stage is 100% set uh, and really, listen, there's nothing hindering the Lord coming back. And, and, and listen, he could come back. And, and really, even if we think, well, there's some things that need to be done, all those things could be accomplished. The Lord could work it out. He could make those things take place in the seven years that they have uh, of the tribulation period. I mean, men will be productive. Men will still build. There'll be, you, we saw in the first half of the tribulation how uh, things will be bad, but those who are rich, they won't be as affected as bad. And so they'll be, they'll be manipulating things. They'll be driving things. They'll be still starting businesses. They'll still be trying to make a profit and, and, and turn things over. And so you see how all of this takes place. And Revelation 12 just gives us a lot of description 
that clarifies all of that. And so I hope that helps you understand and see some of that. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians real quick, verse number 2, chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse 8. And these verses fit so well with this portion that we read that I felt we, sh- we ought to just include them. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 8. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 8. The Bible says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And so you see all of this, how it kind of plays in. And even in the New Testament, it clarifies that, hey, this is coming. uh, And this will be something that will take place. And you see how that kind of fits in there. And all of that just goes hand in hand uh, as we go through the book of Revelation. So I hope and I pray that that's helpful to you, at least in understanding and uh, and grasping a little better the the picture of the book of Revelation. And uh, we'll continue the next chapter. And uh, we're we're coming. We got several more chapters here. We're not quite uh, three quarters of the way through, but, uh, but I hope and pray that that's a help to you and just helps you wrap your head around the, some of those things. For me, uh, it's been very eye-opening to study all of this and, and spend uh, time just reading and, and studying all of that. And so I hope and pray that that's a help and a blessing to you uh, as we look at that. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And um, We'll have a a word of prayer and invitation. Father, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us and gives us a better grasp, a better understanding of your word. God, thank you for your word and even the understanding of it and the end times. And God, as we look at that, I, I pray, Father, that we would be Um, encouraged by your power, your strength, and we'd be thankful for our salvation and the great grace and mercy that you've extended to us. And the time that we live in, God, that the devil is not loosed right now. But God, you hold him at bay, and we're grateful for that. God, I pray that you would just help us to be concerned with reaching others with your gospel. God, that they too would have an opportunity to know you as their personal Savior and not have to go into the tribulation period and not go through all the suffering and probably go to a Christless eternity. God, I pray that you'd help us to be a witness, to be a light to those around us. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.
All right, we'll bring our...